Hello and welcome to the 9 in 10 News for the Community by the Community podcast. I'm your host, Courtney Doyle. Having grown up in northern Michigan, something I have always admired about this area is the love and support that comes from every corner of these communities. So the goal of this podcast is to promote and get to know the many local nonprofits and charities and their work, along with the individuals who really leave an impact on their communities through outreach or volunteering. If you ever want to nominate a group or individual individual, please send me an email at Courtney Doyle at 9and10news.com. I'd love to hear about who is making a difference where you live. Most of us have heard of Special Olympics Michigan, but how much do you know about what they actually do and how you can get involved? We dive into all the details with Special Olympics Michigan Senior Director of Marketing and Communications, Erin Mills. Hi, Aaron. Thank you so much for joining us on the podcast. Uh, most of you probably know Aaron Mills, no stranger to 9 and 10 News, so we're excited to have you back, Aaron. Yeah, it's great to be back. You know, I always love chatting with the, the 9 and 10 fan and viewers. It's always great to kind of catch up. I'm still, you know, within the, the viewing area and listening area, so always good to kind of get keep people all, all caught up on what I'm up to and, you know, what Special Olympics is up to, too. Yeah, stick it in the sports realm, which is is great. You're perfect for. Can you give us, I know a lot of us uh, already know a good amount about Special Olympics, but can you give us a, a little overview of what you guys do? Sure, absolutely. So, you know, I mean, a lot of people, you know, hear the word Special Olympics and, you know, you kind of have a general idea about what's, what we do. But, you know, until you're at an event, you don't quite get it as a whole, but kind of the, the general overarching idea of what Special Olympics is, is, is we uh, are an organization that uses sports as a vehicle to help uh, create a more inclusive society for people with intellectual disabilities. And so we do that through sports, giving people an opportunity to, you know, come out and uh, be a part of something greater, whether it's as an athlete or a volunteer to be a part of something. We do it through sports programs. We have health programs and school programs. We have hundreds of schools that also have some of our inclusive programming within their schools as well but the big main thing is just to kind of make the world a more inclusive place and uh, just kind of make it you know better for everybody which I think we could all use a little bit of right about now yeah especially right now I know COVID has impacted you guys as well it's impacted everybody uh, because usually you would be hosting the winter games in Traverse City right yeah this time of year we would be completely packed in at the Grand Travers Resort and Spas, our home base, getting ready for our winter games, and we'd have competition happening over at Shush Mountain with skiing and snowboarding and cross-country skiing, and we'd be in Howe Ice Arena getting ready to do our figure skating and speed skating, and then the snowshoes over at Grand Travers Resort, we'd have the Wurtz Warriors doing a snowmobile ride all across northern Michigan, raising money to get our games going. It's really kind of like the crown jewel of our winter sports, and, you know, major bummer, not happening this year for us. Um, We've been in a holding pattern since last March. Last time we had an actual in-person event was our uh, district basketball back in March of 2020. So we've had to adjust things quite a bit for us. We've done a lot of at home and kind of virtual distance sports training and trying to make sure everybody's in shape for when that time comes for us to uh, safely get back together and, and do our sporting events. You know, I mean, high school sports and college sports, they've, you know, been start and stop for a while now, getting going. And uh, for us, our 
population of participants are more into that high risk category of being able to have, you know, contracting COVID-19 and having complications from it due to pre-existing conditions and other things. So for us, we're kind of, you know, on one of those lower tiers on when we're going to have a a safe return to, to whatever this new normal looks like for us. Yeah. How have the athletes been reacting to that? I imagine it's, you know, it's got to be kind of disappointing. It really is. You know, for our athletes, you know, they, this is their outlet. This is their chance to be a part of a community and be with their friends and get out and do something. I mean, you know, when we were really kind of at that peak of quarantine and when we were all having to socially distance, you know, like, to the end to the degree to make sure we're doing our best to, to stay safe. That whole feeling of isolation and, you know, being away from those you love and just kind of throwing your daily routines off. I mean, those like that kind of like sad loneliness that, I mean, really kind of crept in everywhere. Mm-hmm. That is really kind of what it is like on an everyday basis for a lot of our athletes who take part in the games. And so, you know, for them, you know, they said, you know, this feeling stinks. Like, I, I've felt this before, and this is how everyday life is without Special Olympics. And so, you know, a lot of people have, you know, been able to kind of get back to somewhat of a more normal routine things. And for athletes, we're just kind of in that holding pattern, and we get messages from them quite a bit saying, you know, when are we getting back? What are we going to do? And, you know, I, I miss my friends. I miss my athletes. I miss being fit. And so we're, we're doing our best to stay engaged, stay positive. And, you know, we're finding creative ways to do that. Um, But, you know, hopefully we're starting to turn a corner here. Later this month, we're going to be having our first in-person event since last March. And so these will be kind of some smaller scale, local-based competitions that we're going to be doing. And that'll just kind of be that first step towards hopefully getting ready to gear up towards what our plan will be is to kind of make our state summer games that first return of kind of a major sporting event. Yeah, I mean, baby steps seems like the the best way to go and, and hopefully get the athletes back to competing and getting that social interaction again. Um, I know Polar Plunge is obviously a big deal for you guys every year. Can you tell me a little bit about what the Polar Plunge is and then um, where you guys are at with that so far this year? So Special Olympics Michigan has a budget of around $8 million or so. And so all the money we have to put on all of our programming comes in through donations from individuals and organizations across the state and companies. And the biggest chunk of money that comes in is through our Polar Plunge fundraising events that we do in the early winters of the year. And so um, for us, Last year, 2020, was actually our best year ever, which is kind of a weird sense to say, 2020 being the best year ever. But from a fundraising standpoint, our polar plunges uh, raised close to $1.4 million. And so that is a huge chunk of our operating budget to be able to, you know, provide these inclusive sports and health programs for all of our athletes. And so, you know, with the way things are now, we thought, okay, well, I think probably getting together thousands upon thousands of people in a large group to have fun and jump into icy cold water is probably not the best idea. So how can we try to do something to try to, one, get people still involved and have special limits on their mind, and two, make sure that we're able to bring in some of these crucial funds that when the time comes, we'll have the money 
to be able to put on a state summer games and other things later this year. And so for us, it was taking the polar plunge and trying to turn that into a virtual setting, which, right, everything is virtual, right? Everything yeah. is virtual. <laughs> and so how do you set that apart? Well, for us, we kind of turned it, we were calling it like it's uh, it's BYOC. It's bring your own cold, make your own challenge. Uh, people are going out and just doing their own cold weather, cold water challenge while still raising funds for our athletes along the way. So now that we have a pretty good understanding about what you guys do you know, say I had a child who had uh, special needs and would maybe qualify and is interested in getting involved in Special Olympics, how, how do they go about doing that? Yeah, the easiest way to take that first step is to head to our website, which is somi.org. And there's a Get Involved button right there, and you can click, and there's a form you fill out. And we start as young as two and a half years old. We have a young athletes program that we do, uh, which is from athletes ages two and a half through seven. That's got to be so that's really kind of one of the coolest programs, right? You think Special Olympics, we do sports, and yeah, we have some pretty sweet athletes that have competed at national competitions and world competitions, and we got some legit athletes. We have athletes that have competed in the Boston Marathon and, you know, all these things, but you got to start somewhere. And so for us, it's that younger athlete, two-and-a-half to seven-year-old uh, group that, you know, is really crucial to making sure that, you know, we have a, a lot of participants moving forward. But, you know, one of the things about our young athletes program is that it's just as important for the young kids who are taking part in it as it is for the family members. It's really a chance for parents and caregivers and guardians who are, you know, with these younger children to have other people there who they can relate to, who they can bounce ideas off of. How are you dealing with this? Oh, your kid does that? Oh, cool. Well, how do you, you know, just kind of having that common bond between parents and guardians um, is, is really, really great because for a lot of these parents and families, you know, they weren't expecting to have a child with an intellectual disability. So how are you kind of dealing in uncharted territory? It's already tough being a new parent as it is. And so, you know, it, it, it really gives them a chance to find a common understanding and, and realize that, guess what? Everything's going to be okay. Everything's just fine. Life's just a little bit different than you expected, but it doesn't mean that it's anything bad. Know that what you have is different and in a way it's a really good thing. Yeah, and I mean, just what a beautiful family people must become from connecting through Special Olympics. I can only imagine. Yeah, it, you know, it, it's wonderful seeing the the friendships uh, between the families evolve over the years. I've been with Special Olympics now for almost eight years now, and, um, you know, just in the time I've been here, you know, I've seen athletes that started out when they were two years old, and now they're 10. And just kind of seeing them evolve from this young kid who's working on their coordination and their motor skills, just like any two-year-old child would be, and, you know, getting used to that social interaction, just like any other kid would be doing it, you know, in a preschool, and seeing them evolve into, you know, this outgoing, you know, young, like, athlete prodigy is, <laughs> is really, really rewarding. Yeah, I can imagine. So that's your young athletes program, and then is there, like, an intermediate one, or does it go from eight until, you know, however old? Yeah, so, you know, once you turn eight years old, then you're a part of our traditional program. And so, you know, we offer 26 different sports, 
throughout the year. And so you just kind of find a sport in your local program that you're interested in, and we kind of team you up with with others. Now, it's not to say that we're going to have an 8-year-old playing on the same team as a 25-year-old in basketball, and then the 25-year-old is just going to drive by him and dunk on him, you know, on the, <laughs> out on the court or something. We have different divisions based on skill levels and things like that. So um, that kind of 8, we say 8 to 99 uh, is kind of that, that age range where if, if you want to get involved and you want to be a part of a sport, we've, we've with 26 options, we've pretty much got – got anything to to get you out there and get moving and i know you encouraged obviously you know the earlier to get involved the better but there really is no wrong time to start right no correct i mean you know we have adults who are just beginning for the first time you know a couple of my really good friends who are special olympics athletes um i was just chatting with one one of them a couple of weeks ago i said so you know amanda when did you get involved in the first place. I feel like you've been doing this forever. She said, Oh, I've only been doing this for five years. You know, I got involved when I was 25. So, you know, we've got athletes who are just kind of getting to do it for the first time. And then their twenties, thirties, forties, you know, whatever you're looking to do. I mean, I know, you know, it just kind of depends on when you're able to do it in life. You know, a lot of people have stuff going on. A lot of our athletes, you know, they're out there, they're working, they have jobs and all sorts of stuff going on. So it's just kind of, you know, whatever works into their schedule, you know, on when we can make it work. But it's just like any other sports team. We've got our practices, we've got our competitions, and it's just however serious you want to take it. Like I said, we've got different divisions, different skill levels, and it's, you know, anybody the equivalent of playing in a, a rec league or, a, you know, a beer, beer league softball league to, you know, playing in a, a more competitive, you know, travel team are kind of the, difference, mm-hmm. the differences along the way on, on how serious you want to take it. And I know that you are based in Mount Pleasant, but there's obviously athletes all over the state you mentioned getting involved with their local, I don't know if it's chapters, or how does that mm-hmm, work? Mm-hmm. Yeah, so Special Olympics, just think kind of the, think of the state as broken down almost like school districts. So the entire Lower Peninsula and Upper Peninsula were broken down into 36 different areas. And so some of them are just a single city like Detroit because it's massive mm-hmm. and some of them are a number of counties like if you get into the western UP or the eastern UP you know you're going to tie in three or four counties together in order to have a large enough um, participant base where you're able to have enough athletes to do teams and stuff so um, you know when you head to our website and you're looking to get involved at somi.org um, you can just search for your county and then we connect you to the local program from there so it's nice and easy to get involved you know we have athletes who only like to do local competitions and we have some who their goal is to compete at a state competition or their goal is to play in a national or a world competition and so you know if if you're just looking to kind of get a taste of it you know we've got lots and lots of different possibilities for you yeah so now that we know how um, athletes and families can get involved, what about volunteers? Because I know I have myself, I have a lot of friends who have volunteered with Special Olympics, and it, it truly is like a life-changing experience. So I'd love to hear you explain um, how volunteers can get involved. Special Olympics is a grassroots organization. We cannot exist without our volunteers. Now we have 23,000 or so athletes who take part in our programs every year, and we have just as many volunteers. 
throughout the state as well. That goes from, you know, single-day volunteers that maybe the state summer games is happening in Mount Pleasant and you want to volunteer for a couple of days here, or there's a local competition and you just want to kind of come out for a day. You got those single-day, multi-day volunteers, and then we've also got your longer-term volunteers, like a coach or someone who's in charge of the local program or, you know, somebody who is a doctor who's volunteering to be a part of a medical team for the local program or someone who's, you know, dealing with that management team that's overseeing maybe the local social media or volunteer photographers. And so there's all sorts of different roles that are really crucial to one, helping run those programs, because with a staff of around 40, there's no way in heck we can put on competitions throughout the entire state with 40 people for 23,000 athletes, right? And so getting that volunteer base, even just coming out once, uh, is crucial. And, you know, (laughs) our volunteers, they say it every time. Anytime I've ever seen uh, run into a volunteer, they say, you know, I came out here, I came out here once, you know, a couple of years ago, and it was just kind of this, a random thing, we thought it sounded good, and I've been back, you know, five years since, or, you know, mm-hmm. I just, once you're here, you're hooked, that's what you just hear all the you time. You really are, though. You know, just kind of getting that feeling, it's just, I don't know, it's just this vibe, you just kind of get this fun, positive vibe, I mean, our athletes are out there, they want to win, they want to come away in first place, they want their team to be victorious, they want to get the gold medal, just like anybody wants to do, but at the same time, it's just this different kind of camaraderie and vibe where even, you know, everybody wants each other to succeed at the same time, it's just kind of a cool, uplifting experience. Yeah, well, and I feel like a lot of times you miss out on that like you said, cheering for for the other team, too, at the same time. You know, everybody's mm-hmm. just happy to be here and happy to compete. I've only um, volunteered at the games before, but I just, mm-hmm. like you said, it's just this joyful feeling, and you just, you can't explain it. And um, so it, I encourage really people and to it, do it for sure. It's one of those things where, you know, you <laughs> – Special Olympics Michigan is a four-star rated charity. So like 86% of all the money that comes in goes directly to the programming. And so, you know, for you to be able to see where your money goes, I mean, there's no better way Mm -hmm. for a proof of return on investment than showing up to an event and just seeing that impact firsthand. Well, yeah, and getting to enjoy it yourself. (laughs) Exactly, exactly. So there's lots of volunteer opportunities, of course, um, monetary donations. Is that just like a, can people go to the website and donate that way? Yep. Yeah. You can uh, just head right to our website, SOMI.org, and there's a donate button. You can, you know, donate monetarily that way. Um, You can uh, take part, as we talked about earlier, our polar plunge, uh, be a part of something like that. And, you know, there's different fundraisers we'll have throughout the year. We have a handful of you know, fundraising breakfasts and luncheons and stuff. But, you know, if you're just looking to kind of make an immediate impact, yeah, just doing that donation right on the website is is key. Um, and then once we kind of get back into the swing of things here, getting those in-person volunteer opportunities once uh, they come available here in the next couple months are going to be just as crucial for us. For sure. And I know this is probably a really hard question to answer, but so you've been with Special Olympics for about eight years now. Is there any specific moment that stands out to you? I know you're very passionate about Special Olympics. You're passionate about uh, sports already. Um, but is there a moment that really sticks with you that is that is why you care so much about Special Olympics and that might, you know, inspire somebody else to, to care as much as you do about it? 
you know, when I left nine and 10 and came to Special Olympics, I didn't really know much about Special Olympics. I, you know, knew of Special Olympics, but, you know, I didn't quite get it till I was here. And I've had the, you know, I've been very fortunate with the fact that I've done stuff here with Special Olympics Michigan is the, you know, in charge of the marketing communications here. But I've also had the opportunity to be the communications director for the Special Olympics U.S. national team that competes in World Games competitions. So I've been a part of competitions that have taken place in Los Angeles with World Games. I've done Austria. Uh, we're gearing up next. The next two World Games will be in Russia and Germany. And so, you know, we've we've got some really big competitions that have, you know, been able to see things firsthand mm-hmm. um just kind of that that local impact here but then that worldwide impact as well um and for me one of the coolest opportunity uh, one of the coolest experience that i i personally saw was um a couple of years ago we were at the world games in austria and we had a downhill skier and uh he was not verbal at all you know just did not did not speak you just never heard him talk and um he was a killer skier he was a killer skier and uh he just did a fantastic job and ended up taking silver in his alpine skiing event and so we were standing there uh, at the award ceremony it was this really big deal like arnold schwarzenegger was there handing (laughs) out medals and like it was a big deal. Yeah. And so uh, this athlete ends up getting his medal and his family's in the crowd cheering him on and stuff. And as the athlete gets the medal, he looks down at it and you could see him just starting to cry, just kind of realizing mm-hmm. what, what he'd he accomplished. Had accomplished. This yeah. was his lifelong goal of like being in this event. And he looked down and he grabbed his medal and he said, I did it. Oh. And his parents were just floored. Tears I mean, everywhere, I'm sure. Heard, I don't know if they had ever heard him talk, but some, like, everybody on our team was just crying. Like, oh. that moment was just as big as him getting that medal, um, if not more. I mean, just, I don't even. It was, it was unbelievable. It was unbelievable. And the thing is, it's like those little moments like that, mm-hmm. they happen all the time. They happen all the time at our events. You're just, it's almost like you, you're wandering around and, and anybody could have these life-changing moments anywhere you look. Mm-hmm. And you're just kind of lucky enough to be a part of them along the way. Well, and I think it goes to show that Special Olympics is much more than a hobby, or, you know, just a reason to get outside and get active or play. Um, it is so much more. That's just a surface level kind of definition, you know. Yeah, it, it really is. And, you know, Michigan, Special Olympics here in Michigan, we really are truly leading the way for other states on how to be an inclusive program. And a lot of that has to do with our volunteers. A lot of that has to do with the support that we get. It's from the different... Uh, organizations who get behind us. It's from, you know, places like Grand Traverse Resort and media places like 9 and 10 that really kind of get behind us and help get that message out there. Um, and, you know, a lot, of, a lot of states look to us as a leader in different ways. And, you know, we're just happy to, you know, have that support of everybody here uh, to show people what, you know, the blueprint is for success. For sure. 
Well, thank you so much, Erin. I, I can't thank you enough for talking to us about it, hopefully inspiring some some new athletes to come your way or some new volunteers. We, of course, will post uh, a link to your website on ours. All right, sounds good. Thanks so much, Courtney. Again, that was Erin Mills from Special Olympics Michigan. Head to 9in10news.com for more details on how you can help. As always, if there are any groups, nonprofits, charities, or even exceptional individuals you'd like to hear about, email me at CourtneyDoyle at 9in10news.com. From podcast producer Joe Busick and myself, thanks for listening to the 9 in 10 For the Community by the Community podcast. The For the Community by the Community podcast is brought to you by Travers Catholic Federal Credit Union, financial services for the community, established 1950.